if you desire to put somebody down, put them on your prayer list. I read it on the First Christian Church marquee. Perhaps you did too. I think it's very fitting advice for all of us. If you want to put someone down, put them on your prayer list. Well, this morning we begin a new series uh, of messages, and uh, this particular theme, this series is called the One Another Passages. So we'll be looking at the One Another Passages of the Bible here. In fact, uh, they say there's about approximately 59 One Another Passages. And uh, we will not be looking at all 59, but rather I have chosen just six of those particular one another passages to uh, share with you in the coming weeks. So we'll be focusing on the one another passages. Now, Christianity is a a relationship religion, if you will. I, I usually don't like to use the word religion when it comes to my personal faith. Um, but if, you, if you'll just bear with me, Christianity as religion is about relationships. Now, of, of course, it all begins with having that proper relationship with Jesus Christ. You are a Christian because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You came to that point in your life where you recognized that you were a sinner and that you needed saving. And, of course, you believed in and put your trust and faith in that finished, completed work where Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for your sins. And not only did he die, but he was buried and he came back to life. So Christianity is a relationship. You are a Christian because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now once you become a Christian, you begin to live out your faith in relationship. All right? We live out our faith in community, if you will. We gathered here this morning. We gather as a community. We are called a church. And we live out our faith in community. We live it out in relationship. And what that exactly looks like is detailed for us in the numerous one another Bible passages. For example... Uh, As you read through Scripture, you come across one another passages that exhort each one of us to live out our faith by loving one another. Or you may come across where we are to serve one another or encourage one another or, or be devoted to one another. In fact, even also building one another up. These are the one another passages. These passages give us a description, kind of tell us how we are to live out our life, our Christian faith, in relationship with one another. Well, this morning we begin our new series by focusing on praying for one another. So our first topic, our first theme to explore together this morning is praying for one another. It's no secret that prayer is important to harvest. In fact, you see it on the wall there to your left. Prayer is one of our values, meaning this is something that is important to us. And we try to take time each Sunday morning, as you know, take time to not only praise God, but to enter in together into community and pray together. 
Well, the Bible passage that uh, exhorts us to pray for one another is found in James chapter 5. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, why don't you join me and let's turn to James chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verse 16. We're just looking at one verse this morning. Well, I shouldn't say that, not just one alone. But where our one another uh, instructions come from is verse 16. So here's what verse 16 says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. But there we have it. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Pray for one another. So why are we to pray for one another? That's the question I ask. Why should each of us pray for other Christians? Well, I want to share with you four reasons why we are to pray. And I believe these four reasons do come from our passage this morning, from verse 16, and as well as the surrounding verses there in chapter 5. Here are four reasons why we are to pray, why we are instructed to pray. Okay? Number one. We pray for each other because it is commanded. We pray for each other because it is commanded. Now, I've shared with you in the past about the Greek language. The Greek language has some, uh, some uh, maybe peculiarities, if you will. Maybe it's more even detailed than our English language. But from the Greek language, we can get more insight into why we do certain things or how we are to do things. Now, for here, in verse, uh, verse 16, where it says, Pray for one another. The word that is translated prayer is in what we call the imperative tense or the imperative mood. And uh, if you maybe you don't remember, but imperative is a command in the Greek language. So the word translated prayer is an imperative in the Greek, and an imperative is a command. So the first reason why we are to engage in praying for one another is because this is a command that is recorded in Scripture. God has placed an expectation, more than an expectation, He has placed a command on us that we pray for one another. Pray for one another. So, number one, the reason we pray for each other is because we are commanded to pray. Number two, here's number two, the second reason why we pray for one another. We pray for one another because it's an act of service. An act of service. You know, we could also say that prayer is a ministry. When I say an act of service, prayer is a ministry. Uh, typically, though, when we think about ministry, our thoughts kind of go to things like maybe teaching Sunday school. We think of that as a ministry. Or volunteering for vacation Bible school. We see that as a ministry. Or even going and visit somebody who is sick or has been recently through a surgery, and we go to them and visit them in a hospital. Now, those things we quickly categorize as that is ministry. But I want you to see here this morning is that prayer is also a ministry. It is a ministry. If you read the surrounding verses there in chapter 5, um, there is instruction that says, if you are sick, if you are ill, you know, call the elders and they will come and pray for you. So we see here in this immediate context of chapter 5 that the elders are engaged in a ministry in the service of praying. But it's not just the elders who are to pray for one another. Remember, our instruction, we are commanded as well to pray for each other. And prayer is a ministry. Prayer 
is a ministry. So that was number two. Number three, why do we pray? Prayer is a demonstration of care. We pray because we care. Um, this verse that we're looking at here in verse 16 is, uh, is located among verses that speak of praying for the sick. And, uh, you know, if you go and visit somebody who's sick, uh, if you go and uh, pray for somebody who's sick, you know, that bottom root, the reason, what, the reason that compelled you to go and pray is because you genuinely care for that individual. Isn't that right? When they're on your mind, on your heart, it's because you care. So prayer is a ministry that demonstrates care. So why do we pray? Because that shows we do care for one another. We care for one another. And number four, the reason that we pray for one another is because prayer unleashes God's power. Okay? Prayer unleashes God's power. I'm not sure how that all works. I wish I could give you a very definitive answer as to how prayer works, you know. I really don't have an answer for you. All I know is it does work. I have experienced it in my own life. It, I mean, I've gone through some things, and I, I can only, you know, the reason I survived, the reason I kept my joy, is, the only reason I can explain is because prayer, okay? Prayer sustained me. Prayer does work. In fact, let me share that story once again. I shared it with the children. I'll give you even a better, clearer vision here. Let me just read that story for you about the power of prayer. A missionary on a furlough told, his, uh, told this true story while visiting his home in, in Michigan, his church home in Michigan. He says, while serving at a small field hospital in Africa, he says, every two weeks I would travel by bicycle through jungle to the nearby city for supplies. It was a journey of two days and required camping overnight at the halfway point. On one of these journeys, I arrived at the city where I planned to collect money from a bank, purchase medicine and supplies, and begin my two-day journey back to the hospital. Upon arriving at the city, two men were fighting, and one was seriously injured. I treated his injuries and told him about Jesus Christ. I then traveled two days, camped overnight, and arrived back at home without incident. Two weeks later, I repeated my journey. When I arrived back at the city, I was approached by the young man I had treated. He told me he knew I carried money and medicines. He said, some friends and I followed you into the jungle, knowing you would camp overnight. We planned to kill you and take your money and drugs. But just as we were about to jump your camp, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. At this, I laughed, and I said that I certainly was all alone out in that jungle campsite. But the young man pressed the point, saying, No, sir, I was not the only person to see the guards. My five friends also saw them, and, and we all counted them. It was because of those 26 armed guards that we were afraid and left you alone. At this point in the message, a man in the audience with whom he was sharing, this man jumped up to his feet and he interrupted the missionary and asked exact day that this incident happened. The missionary told him, and the man excitedly told this story. He says, on the night of your incident in Africa, I was, uh, it was morning here, and I was preparing to play 
golf on that day. I was about to tee off when I felt the urge to pray for you. In fact, the urge of the Holy Spirit was so strong, I called men to meet me here and pray for you. The man said, if you were here with me that day to pray, please stand up. The men who met together to pray stood up. The missionary wasn't really concerned with who were there, but he wept as he counted their number. You guessed it. There were 26 men. You see, the reason we pray is because prayer is powerful. How God uses our prayer, how God uses it when we talk to him on behalf of others, I, I really don't know. But it works. It works. So our exhortation is clear as we live in relationship with one another. We are to pray for one another. Well, the next question to ask and answer is this. So what do we pray for then? Okay, we're supposed to pray. I get that. I know that it's commanded. All right. I know that it is a ministry that I can engage in. And I know that prayer is powerful. I get that. But what what do I pray about? What things should I be praying about? Let's pursue that question and answer it. In James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, we get this answer. And here's what it says. Let's look at it together. Chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, and we read these words. If any one of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Well, from this passage, we see that one answer to what we pray for or about, of course, is illness. We want to pray about individuals who are sick. You know, we spend a lot of time, it seems like, praying for people who have cancer. And, uh, I mean, that's a good thing. Okay, that's a good thing. We want to pray about uh, these illnesses. We want to assist uh, these individuals in their healing process by praying for them. Well, something I want to draw your attention to is the word uh, sick, okay? If you take a look up here at verse 15, the word that is uh, sick. Uh, that word sick uh, means this. Here's the meaning of the word sick. It literally means to be weak, okay? Or to be without strength or powerless, okay? To be weak or without strength. Uh, the reason I bring that to your attention is that in this particular passage, although it does talk about illness, you know, being sick, that word sick can also refer to being weak or without strength or without power. So it says here, so uh, the prayer that is offered in faith will, will help the person who is powerless or who is feeling weak become strong again. Now, the reason that I bring this out to you and point this out to you is that, you know, oftentimes we get in this, uh, uh, this rut of just praying for illnesses, okay, and just sickness. But there is a broader application of James chapter 5 here. Uh, we, as we pray for one another in relationship, we need to be praying for those who have weaknesses, who are struggling, who are feeling powerless, okay? We, as believers, we can come 
alongside other individuals and help them in their weaknesses and then when they feel powerless, we do that through praying, okay? So let's pursue that a little bit more. In fact, here's a couple of verses. Uh, first of all, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 tells us, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Uh, one man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Here, here in Romans chapter 14, in this verse, the, the verse that is or excuse me, the word translated weak is the very same word in James chapter 5 that is translated sick. So I'm just showing you that there is another usage of that very same word. Uh, take a look at this one, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 29. Take a look at it. Okay, it says, uh, uh, this is Paul, the apostle Paul, he's, he says this, it's in a question for him. He says, who is weak? And he says, and, and I, do, do, not, do not I feel weak as well? And he says, who is led into sin? He says, and, and I do not inwardly burn? In other words, he's, he's saying here, uh, he says, I feel weak too. We got Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's the big uh, top-notch Christian, so to speak. Like he doesn't have any difficulties or any problems, so to speak. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Everything goes well for him. Well, he's telling us, no. He's saying, hey, don't I feel weak? And there's that word weak. You know, it's translated sick in James chapter 5. Again, just want you to see that uh, this whole word that is translated sick has a broader meaning. So we're talking about being powerless or feeling weak, okay? And so therefore, when we pray for somebody, we pray more than just sickness. We're praying for their weakness, whatever that may be. But in order to know a weakness in somebody's life, we need to be in relationship with one another, don't we? We sure do. That's how we learn about this weakness. And, of course, we're not going to tell everybody our weakness. We're going to be selective, and that's just perfectly okay, and that's perfectly fine. But we need to be in, in community and, and sharing with one another so that others know our weakness, so that they can come alongside us and lift us up with that power of prayer. Um, so we're still talking about uh, what we should be praying for. We're praying for not only sickness, but we pray for the weaknesses or where people feel powerless. Just they don't feel like they have the strength. We want to come alongside them and help them through prayer. Well, here, here's a couple examples. Here's a weakness. Uh, one weakness is anxiousness, okay, anxiousness. And uh, Lonnie shared this uh, particular passage with us as we began our prayer time together. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So do not be anxious about anything, it says. That's the scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but, what's it say? But in, help me out, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we all encounter anxiousness, don't we? Okay? I know we're, we've been praying for her this morning. We prayed for Tanya, and in particular, her daughter, Kim. Kim has breast cancer, and she's expressing anxiousness about the fact that she's got to take some chemotherapy and stuff. And uh, you can imagine that. You've all been in situations where you have family members that, oh, they got to go through this. And as they step into this, this situation, into the unknown, there's anxiousness. 
And you know that. So you can come alongside them and pray with them using the power of God in their life. So anxiousness uh, says, uh, here's another weakness, not only anxiousness, but temptations. Another weakness is our temptations. Here's a passage from Luke 22. Uh, Jesus is addressing Peter, and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So we all have temptations as well. There, there's an area that we are weak in. There's an area where we lack strength. We're not very powerful in certain areas of our life. And Satan knows that. And he comes at us very, very hard, you know, just persistently after us in that weak area, that area we lack strength. Isn't that true? Yes, he does. But... If you're in relationship, if you're in community with others, and again, you don't share it with everybody, but you have shared with those that you trust, you know, they can pray for you, praying for one another, helping you through your temptation. You bet. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, there's a couple other things here I want to share with you, too. Uh, we were really talking about what are some weaknesses or what are some uh, areas where we lack strength and feel powerless. Well, we feel it in our anxiousness. We feel it in our temptations. Uh, let's just kind of leave that idea behind, the idea of feeling weak. Let's just go to some practical areas of praying, how we can pray for one another. Uh, pray for one another's spiritual understanding and growth. And that's coming out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 11. So look with me at that verse, and it says this. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with fruit of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, I want you to grab hold of that verse, if you will, that passage, Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. And just, uh, just be aware of that. Maybe go home this day or this week. Uh, highlight it in your Bible because this is a passage that you can pray. Uh, this is a passage that I've prayed over my own family. And there's a progression. If you would study that passage, you'll see a progression. Progression. You know, we're praying. And this is my prayer, he says. This is Paul again. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and insight and depth of insight. Uh, you know, he's asking, may so-and-so grow in their understanding of Jesus Christ and fall deeper and deeper in love with Christ and committed to him. You see that happen there? Uh, also, you pray that they may discern what is best. Oh, isn't that a prayer concern, mom and dad, for our kids? That they would discern what is best. Okay? If you feel they're weak in that area, the strength is not there and you're concerned, Use the power, remember? I'm not sure how it works, but God's prayer, prayer has power. It helps. So we're praying for that they may discern what is best, uh, that they would be blameless. Philippians 1 talks about being blameless. Oh, again, we're praying that our family members would make those decisions that would reflect well, okay, and not tear them down. So, again, your assignment, if you will, go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 11, just highlight that. Pray that over your family. Pray that over your, your church family, your church people as well, okay? Philippians 1. And then lastly, pray for one another's ministries. 
There are many things that we can be praying about. I've just chosen a couple of them. But uh, pray for one another's ministries. Here's Colossians chapter 4. Uh, again, this is our Apostle Paul, our, our Christian rock star, if you will. We think, he, he think, he, we think he's the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the type to follow. But uh, he says this, devote yourselves to prayer. And again, this is the Apostle Paul, our rock star. Listen to these words. He says, devote yourselves to pray, being watchful and thankful. And then Paul says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Okay. Sounds like Paul is maybe struggling here. Okay. Paul, he's in jail. All right, He's in prison. He's serving Jesus. He's standing up for Jesus. And he ends up in jail. Okay, And he's probably thinking, mm, I don't know. I don't like this stuff. And then what does he say? Hey, pray for me. And pray that I will be, you know, proclaimed clearly. It kind of sounds like he's saying, you know, I'm, I, I'm not courageous at this point. I'm lacking confidence. I'm in jail. Pray for me. Pray for me. So I get out of that praying for ministries, okay? We have many, many people who are serving in your church body, within our church body, you know, children's church, our men's group. Uh, Bible, other Bible studies. Uh, when, when those people come to mind, would you just pray for them? Pray for one another. Pray that they would be bold. Pray that they would proclaim Christ clearly. Pray that the Holy Spirit would empower them, give them vision, give them passion. Just so many things to pray about. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're, we're the church. We're in relationship with one another. And one of the things that we need to do in relationship with one another is that we pray for one another. So it's a very applicational message this morning. What, are we, what am I supposed to do when we leave this place? We know what we're supposed to do, aren't we? We are to pray for one another. That's our assignment. Pray for one another. Pray for me. Please pray for me. I mean, the title of the, today's message, talk to him for me. Talk to Jesus for me, would you? You know? And you too, would you just talk to somebody and say, hey, would you talk to Jesus for me? If you feel confident, just share with them. Where's your weakness? What are you struggling with? Okay, Talk to Jesus for me. Let me talk to Jesus for you. Okay, let's close. Oh, Jesus, we, we struggle so. We do. We're, we're selfish. Uh, we're concerned about our needs. Lord, we get offended. Um, sometimes rightly so, and we just can't seem to shake it, let it go. Lord, you've laid people on our heart that we are burdened for. We, we want healing in their heart. If it's not illness, Lord, we're concerned about their decisions they're making. Oh, Father God, would you help us? Help us serve one another. And Lord, as we depart this morning, I just want to pray your blessing over this church body who are all gathered here this morning. Um, they're here because they love you. Um, but though we love you, Lord, we know that things don't always go smoothly. So, Lord, whatever, whatever hiccup has shown up in their life this week or whatever sadness that seems to occupy their heart, Father God, we pray about that. Lift them up, Lord. Lord. 
And may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard their heart and their mind. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.